Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome on in, Giants fans, to the latest episode of the Talk is Cheap podcast right here on NJ.com. As always, I'm Matt Lombardo, joined by my friend and colleague, Daryl Slater. And Daryl, the predicted has occurred. The Pat Shermer era for the Giants is over. The Dave Gettleman era for the Giants continues. And the New York football Giants are in, as expected, their search for their next head coach. Yeah, it's kind of how we imagined it going, envisioned it going, uh, in that uh, the Giants did not dismiss Dave Gettleman, and they did get rid of Pat Shermer. So they're moving forward with Dave Gettleman's big-picture rebuilding plan for better or worse here, and we'll see what it what it winds up uh, being in, in the long run in the next couple of years. And so John Mara talked yesterday on Tuesday, on Monday. Dave Gettleman talks today on Tuesday. We'll bring you some takeaways and then talk coaching search. Yep, and we'll be the four new computer people who the Giants hired that will figure key roles in the Giants' rebuild. And we'll get into all that, take your questions from the Giants' extra tech service, and a whole lot more. But as always, if you like what you hear, we would love if you would subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store or leave us a five-star review. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. It helps us grow the show. Subscribe on the iTunes Podcast Store. And, of course, you can check us out on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, and all of your favorite podcast platforms. And, of course, we would love if you would subscribe for $4.99 a month to be able to text Daryl and I directly your questions, your thoughts, get insight, input, and breaking news nuggets from us. Um, just go to nj.com slash text to sign up for that. It's been a lot of fun. And Daryl, I think we should start with the Dave Gettleman press conference on Tuesday because I think that Gettleman's future figures so much more into the future of the Giants than Pat Shermer's past. And I think it's very interesting that the Giants have talked about this newfound commitment to forward thinking and analytics, but brought Dave Gettleman back at 68 years old and with all of his blunders in free agency and some of the luster and some of the shine coming off of his 2018 NFL draft to be the man that oversees this rebuild and helps identify the next head coach. Yeah, pretty curious, but not surprising. I mean, this is a team that tends to move slowly into the future and, and does things very traditionally. Uh, ultimately, I think what, what matters more than anything, and I mean, the analytics thing is kind of funny to throw back at Dave Gettleman because he mocked the use of analytic, uh, analytics, and now the Giants are sort of embracing it, but uh, that's not going to determine whether this team is, is really good in the future. They, can they get good players in the draft, and can this new coach be more of a leader and, and an overall program shaper than Pat Shermer was? Those are the big-picture questions here. And, yeah, I mean, it was a, a fairly baffling press conference in Dave Gettleman today. Um, 
there's a number of things we can go over. We have a story on the site kind of calling BS and some of this stuff. Yeah, you did a great job on I that, think, kind of the big picture takeaways. And I thought yeah. the biggest picture takeaway was he somehow made what was a baffling trade for Leonard Williams look even worse. And Darryl, you're very good at explaining in the simplest terms possible the comp pick formula. And Dave Gettleman seems to be holding his hat on the fact that if Leonard Williams walks via free agency, which if he does, the Giants' fifth-round pick that they traded to the Jets remains a fifth-round pick. It doesn't become a fourth. But Gettleman is hanging his hat on the Giants getting a comp pick in return, which is a, a foolish line of thinking when they have $85.7 million in cap space to spend this offseason. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> basically, that was the main topic throughout the press conferences. People kept getting back to <clears> – <throat> excuse me, reporters kept getting back to – asking questions about the very curious Leonard Williams trade. And Gettleman said, well, if, if Leonard Williams leaves in free agency, the Giants can get a comp pick. So that's how it works. Landon Collins left in free agency last year. The Giants got a comp pick in the third round here in 2020. Well, it, it's money in versus money out. So the reason the Giants are getting that Landon Collins comp pick, if they had spent huge in free agency, that would offset Landon Collins' departure and the amount of money he got from Washington, and the Giants maybe wouldn't get a comp pick. So Leonard Williams is potentially going to leave in free agency, but because of how much money the Giants have to spend in free agency in 2020, it's not a lock they're going to get a 2021 comp pick for Leonard Williams in any round, let alone the third round. So they gave up the 68th overall pick for him, which is... Just asinine, considering he's not a very good player. Uh, and now they're in a position where they, like, want to pay him big money, even though he maybe doesn't even deserve it. And they almost have to to justify the trades. So. Yeah, and it's also contradictory because multiple points during Tuesday's press conference, Gettleman cited the value and the importance and the organizational philosophy of building through the NFL draft. So you basically surrendered a third-round pick, pick number 66 overall, or 68 overall, rather, to bring Leonard Williams in to kick the tires on him, see how he fits in your system and with your, which is going to be a new system, by the way, now that you fired Pat Shermer and presumably Dave Beck the defensive coordinator, how he fits in your culture and in your locker room, you traded away assets to do something that if you had a functioning scouting and analytics department, you could have figured out how he fit by studying his film with the Jets, speaking with coaches who have coached him either at USC or at the Jets or at other stops in his football career. But here we are with a team hoping to build through the draft with one fewer third round pick where you could potentially draft a starting caliber player for Leonard Williams, you're going to have to spend big money for in free agency, which hurts you against your cap because you're spending more for Williams than you would for that draft pick. It's indefensible. I mean, and he tried to defend it. <clears throat> There's no defense for the Leonard Williams trade. I mean, it was a terrible decision by Dave Gettleman. He got fleeced by Joe Douglas. The whole press conference was, was baffling to a degree, even by Gettleman's standards, and offered a lot more, I think as the headline on our site says that I wrote, a lot more big picture questions than answers. And among them, you know, the letter Williams thing. What's the deal with how they're embracing analytics and is Gettleman embracing it? Can this team be a legit winner in 2020? And if they're not, Gettleman's gone. So a lot of his answers weren't exactly reassuring. Uh, and I, he was asked, why does he understand why fans could be skeptical of whether he's got to get it done? And he said, do you understand why? Sure. That was his answer. And he, yeah, that was it. Okay, so that was it. And then he was asked at the end of the you know press conference, you asked him, and we kind of ran out of time, uh, why he or how he would grade himself. 
and he, he said poorly. Yeah, he said not good enough, and he's gonna learn. He's gonna it's gonna get better, and kind of left unsaid was how. Yeah, I asked how, and and it just kind of hung in the air, and he walked off the press conference, walked off the dais, and you wonder if you know he even he knows that answer of how. So. Uh, yeah, this is a huge crossroads for the Giants, and they're they're hanging hanging their hat and hitching their wagon to a GM who really hasn't earned a lot of trust. So that's a big factor in this coaching search. It really is, and the fact that Dave Gettleman and we'll circle back to John Mayer's press conference now on Monday following the firing of Pat Shermer, the fact that they're bringing Dave Gettleman back it, it creates a hurdle in front of Quest Diagnostics Training Center because. You've thinned the talent pool of head coaches because I, for people that I've spoken to, Daryl, my belief is that Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots, would not come here with Dave Gettleman in place. There might be other candidates who would not come to East Rutherford to coach the Giants with Dave Gettleman as the GM for many reasons. His reticence to analytics, the fact that he's potentially a lame duck, so you're not going to know who the general manager is potentially going into the 2021 season if things don't go well your first year. And Dave didn't seem to grasp that concept on Tuesday. Yeah, he, he was talking up the... You know, the cachet of the history of the Giants, which is a tired line around here. You know, stable ownership, strong, rich history of the franchise will be alluring to the to a coach. And it'll it'll lay the fears that uh, of working with a lame duck GM. Well, not uh, really. <laughs> this team had, had the same success pedigree when they hired Ben McAdoo and Pat Shermer, and those hires both failed. So, we'll see. So two days into the coaching search, Daryl, and everything we heard from John Mara, everything we heard from Dave Gettleman on Tuesday, uh, what are your thoughts on where this thing is headed? You know, I think that it's probably looking like a Matt Rule hire and probably his job to lose. And, um, you know, I, I think that he could they could do well with him as their coach. He's not a lock. I don't think any of these guys out there would be a lock to be successful, but um, – I think they're very open to, to hiring either a defensive-minded head coach or a college coach. They have cast a wide net so far. They have seven candidates. And so I think there's a situation here where they're willing to be open-minded, which is good. <clears throat> they said as much about willing, being willing to be open-minded. And um, I think that's evident in the number of guys and the seven guys they've looked at. Yeah, and, and just to double down on your theory on Matt Rule, I've spoken to a couple candidates who I thought were on the periphery of the Giants' shortlist, some candidates who would make sense, a couple guys that you and I had on our list, and they basically told me they hadn't heard, but their feeling is that it's Matt Rule's job to lose, and now it's just going to come down to, will Matt Rule make the jump from Baylor to the Giants? Will he work with Dave Gettleman? Will he find this destination attractive? And I think that when you talk to people close to rule people who know him best, he's long coveted an NFL opportunity. I think that when he made the move from Temple to Baylor and made the jump from a group of five program to a Big 12 program, it was with a destination job in the NFL in mind. Tuesday, the report comes out that he turned down the Browns' request to interview him for their vacancy, which kind of leads you to believe that, okay... Penn State product, coached at Penn State, New York City, born and bred, strong New York City, Northeast roots, quarterback in place with Daniel Jones, kind of leads you to connect the dots that if the Giants come knocking, he jump at that opportunity. Sure. I mean, like, why, why wouldn't he? I, I'm, I'm, why would someone stay at Baylor? I mean, no offense to Baylor, but like, why would you stay there if the Giants want to offer you the job? Like, 
for someone in his position, right? So if you're Josh McDaniels or, you know, if you're, say... Eric Bieniemy, perhaps. Yeah, or, like, maybe, like, uh, say, whatever. Say they wanted Jason Garrett, and Jason Garrett would say, like... I can go to Carolina, or I can go uh, to any number of places where the jobs are open. Or I look at, if I'm Jason Garrett, and I see the talent pool with Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, and Odell Beckham Jr., and not to mention the talent on defense, that Jason Garrett or any of these candidates right. might view Cleveland as a better landing spot. Or waiting a year is what I was going to say before I started coughing because I have a cold. But um, waiting, you know, maybe Garrett would wait a year, collect some money, um, or, you know, he's not under contract through next year, but, you know, you know he's got plenty of money. So He'll take a TV job somewhere yeah, for a year and wait a, for a better opportunity to open up. So Matt Rule would jump at this job, and then so I mean the the Panthers are interested in him as well. Maybe Dallas will be. I think he'd be an all right hire, but you know it's not a lock. He'd be he'd be the answer. It's interesting you bring up the Cowboys, Daryl, because my sense of this is. It could move quickly for the Giants, and I know that's out of character. I know they kind of did all of their due diligence and did all of their interviews and lined up the candidates before hiring Ben McAdoo. Same thing with Pat Shermer. But let's say that the Cowboys fire Jason Garrett today. What happens when Jerry Jones doesn't just pick up the phone, but hops on a flight to New Orleans and goes to the Sugar Bowl, meets Matt Matt Rule and, you know, prior to or after their game, and you can say that you can coach the Dallas Cowboys with Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, Uh, you don't have to leave the state of Texas, we're going to offer you a blank check. If you're Matt Rule and you're looking at both jobs, if you're the Giants, I feel like there needs to be, if Rule was your guy, there needs to be an impetus and an urgency to get to Rule before the Cowboys do. Yeah, I think that's a good point, because they probably will be interested, and they should be, and um, I think that, you know, he would be an attractive candidate for Dallas for a lot of reasons, the same as he would be for the Giants, and Dallas is a better job. Definitely a better job. Yeah, I agree. And I think that when you look at some of these other candidates, I don't know about you, but if it's not Matt Rule, I think the best case scenario for the Giants is Eric Bieniemy. I think that you look at the track record of success of Andy Reid's coaching tree, even though Pat Shermer didn't necessarily work out here. You look at Doug Peterson winning a Super Bowl in Philadelphia, John Harbaugh winning a Super Bowl in Baltimore with Joe Flacco as the quarterback, and now what they've been able to build with the Ravens. Um, Some of the other coaches, Matt Nagy winning the division in his first year with the Chicago Bears and making the postseason. Ron Rivera going to a Super Bowl with the Carolina Panthers. I just look at Biennemi, what he's learned from Andy Reid over the years, now working with Patrick Mahomes, giving him the opportunity as a bright offensive mind and a leader of men to mold Daniel Jones. If it's not Matt Rule, I think Eric Biennemi, Eric Biennemi would be the top candidate on the Lombardo shortlist. No doubt. I agree. And I think if you just want to go through the other candidates real quick, we talked about McDaniels and you know he's going to have some interest from other teams, including the Panthers and Browns. And the Gettleman factor could be a play there. We talked about Matt Rule. We talked about the enemy. He's got Panthers and Browns interest as well. We talked about the other interests for Matt Rule. Uh, Chris Richard from Dallas. He's going to have an interview with the Jets, or the Giants, rather, obviously. That's what we're talking about here. Um, and, uh, the, you know, he's had interest from teams in the past in head coaching vacancies, including the Jets. So he, I don't know there. I mean, defensive minded coach might not be the best move. And then a few more on top of those four that have popped up today McDaniels, Rule, Richard and uh, Biennemi were the big three guys yesterday, and three more today. Joe Judge, the special teams coordinator for the Patriots, which, you know, 
maybe. Uh, I just, you know, Again, I, I my philosophy yeah. of if you show me a good special teams coach, I'll show you a good football coach. They've had great I think special he'll teams eventually, Yeah, I think eventually he'll be a guy. Uh, and then, uh, as we as we mentioned, ruled uh, he declined the Browns interview. That's another piece of news from today. The <laughs> interview request and Wink Martindale, Don Wink Martindale, which uh, <laughs> the name rings a bell for people who remember old game shows, but He's the Ravens' defensive coordinator. The Giants, the Giants want to interview him, another defensive-minded coach, a lower-profile guy. A big one here is Mike McCarthy this weekend. That name popped up today as the fifth candidate. So we mentioned three came up today, four yesterday. They're at seven. I think Mike McCarthy's worth – we can kind of gloss over Martindale. And, yeah, I, I think McCarthy and, uh, and Joe Judge. But yeah. Mike McCarthy, what do we think? I wrote about this on Sunday after the game. Uh, my ideal scenario for the Giants was to blow the whole thing out and start from scratch, bring in Ed Dodds, who's currently the assistant general manager of the Indianapolis Colts, and hire Mike McCarthy as the head coach. I think that you look at two things. One, his recommitment to analytics and technology, and it seems from his conversation with Peter King that he has a, a complete plan on how to build out an organization around those two things and his track record of success with Aaron Rodgers. If he brings in a creative offensive coordinator to help him design plays and kind of bring his schemes into the 20th century because it seems like a tired route tree in the passing game and predictable game plans. If his organizational structure is legit and if he brings in someone to help him augment his system, I think he'd be a home run hire. Could I know be. you disagree. I, I think I, we talk a, about this. I know you disagree on this. There's a lot of problems that they had late in his time in Green Bay and you look at the success they have immediately without him. So how much of a problem was, was Mike McCarthy? And can you teach an old dog new tricks? I think that's the question. And that's what he's trying to do is trying to reinvent himself. And who can blame him? Um, will he want personnel say? Will he want more power than he's able to give with the job? Sure sounds like it. And that's something that'll be an interesting thing to watch because John Merritt did mention he'd be open to maybe giving the new head coach more personnel say than the head coach has had in the past. And that will you know, decrease the role of Dave Gettleman a little bit. So that's an interesting thing to watch for a powerful head coach like Mike McCarthy. They're not giving that to Matt Rule. But Mike McCarthy might want it uh, if he can parlay, <clears throat> play off the Browns offer or in the, the Giants offer if he gets two offers there. So that's something to watch. Yeah, I do wonder, and you brought up an interesting point there, Daryl, that Matt Rule in his first NFL job is not going to get total personnel control and, and no coach is getting total personnel control in his first season with the Giants with Dave Gettleman remaining as general manager. I do wonder, and we've seen this happen all the time and it's happened um, recently to some degree with the Jets where either the head coach or the general manager goes after the first year and the other party stays. I do wonder what happens if Matt Rule or Mike McCarthy come here and they go 6-10 and 10, but Daniel Jones looks like he improves. They fire... Dave Gettleman, I do wonder in year two if Matt Rule or Mike McCarthy wouldn't get personnel control at that point. I think McCarthy more likely, um, but that's something to watch for sure because the GM situation remains fluid even though Dave Gettleman's coming back. So. Right, let's head to the text board. We got some great questions, of course, at our Giants Extra Text Service. And to sign up, go to nj.com slash text. Daryl and I have had a lot of fun with this, and there's been a lot of great interaction. You can get to us directly without the you know, back and forth and some of the garbage and the trolling that takes place on Twitter. Um, we love to take questions from here during the podcast. And, Daryl, we'll start with uh, Ed Munoz from Southgate, California. 
I love California, by the way. Would the Giants have had a better record with Eli Manning as quarterback instead of Daniel Jones? If so, would Pat Shermer still be the coach of the Giants? He says thank you, and I say absolutely not. I say there's no chance that Eli Manning would have had a better record than Daniel Jones. Look at what happened in the second half of the game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Look at what happened the first two weeks of the year in Dallas and in Buffalo. The sooner Daniel Jones got on the field, the better, the more valuable all of those snaps and all of those games were. And I just don't think at this stage of his career, Eli Manning uh, could give you much more than what he gave you in that game against the Miami Dolphins. No, I mean, he was clearly finished, and this is it for Eli Manning. Expect him to retire. This was the end of the line, and they had to go to Daniel Jones. And no, just because Eli Manning was more experienced at this point in his career, he, he would not have given him a better chance. So they, they, it's a move they had to make, and the move made sense. All right, we'll go to the next one here. Why is Dan Campbell's name not surfaced as a candidate? He's an ideal coach for this team. Yeah, I think it's an interesting guy to watch. Tight ends coach with the Saints. He has Giants connections, but, you know, he's not a high-profile candidate. And he's, you know, eventually maybe a guy to watch, but he's not going to be on anyone's shortlist right now. Next question comes in. How much of a factor do you think salary will play in the hiring of the new coach? McCarthy McDaniels will be the least, uh, at least double the amount of the other less experienced candidates, and they still have to pay Shermer for three more years. Great point. Uh, it's a great point, and they're going to be paying two head coaches next year, Pat Shermer and whoever is the new hire. I, I can't see it factoring in at all. If you want to do business in the NFL, you're paying your head coach upwards of five, six, eight million dollars a year. I, I don't think that changes because you're on the books for Pat Shermer. I think it just means that um, the, the John Mara paycheck will take a little bit more of a hit. Yeah, I mean, all this money is basically free money from the TV contracts anyway. So it's not its not like John Mara is losing any money from like paying a head coach a million dollars more a year. You got to pay what you got to pay to get a guy if you want him. <laughs> I found it interesting because Ron Rivera got a five-year contract with, the, with Washington and all these tweets. Talk about, oh, big commitment. Big. Pat Shermer got a five-year contract and got canned after two years. So it's not really a big commitment. The contracts don't really mean anything if the owners are willing to pay money that's basically pay, you know, play money to them. So I don't think money will be a factor and it shouldn't be. Uh, we'll go one more here. What do you think? We kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. What do you think about Rule declining the Browns interviews? That seems to be telling with inside circle information. I guess the inside circle information is the report that I put out at uh, the NJ.com Giants Extra Tech Service that uh, people in the NFL believe that the Giants' job is Matt Rule's to lose. I think this goes two ways, Daryl. I don't think you can ever go wrong in interviewing for a job because you never know who's going to be doing the hiring later on. You never know uh, what's going to be offered to you. So I think it's interesting, perhaps an indication that Rule's going to follow through and stay at Baylor. But I think more so, um, it's Rule kind of narrowing the list. And and perhaps it means that his eyes and his heart is set on the Giants. Yeah. I, I mean, if I'm him, I would just interview as many places as possible, get the experience interviewing, and maybe play offers off each other to get more money. Why not? I think the turnoff with Cleveland is the dysfunction. I'm sure it is. Yeah, it's John Dorsey. John looks like John Dorsey as we talk right now. Actually, there's Twitter alerts about him potentially being canned. So who is he? Who would the new coach go to be working for there? There's no stability in that regard. Jimmy Haslam's a disaster of an owner. So that's that's a turnoff. Not to turn-off. mention the turmoil in the locker room with some of the friction we saw it's with Odell be. Beckham Jr. there and, and Baker Mayfield's regression. I think that's going to be a tough job to fill, especially now that Ron Rivera so quickly ran his way to, to Dan Snyder in Washington. Yep, for sure. I think that's that's that'll be a tough one. And um, 
you know, it looks like Matt Rule, Panthers, or Giants are, is what he's narrowed his, his wish list down to. So I think he's probably the leader for the Giants right now, but there's still a little bit of time to go. And like you mentioned earlier, keep an eye on the Cowboys. Yep, no doubt about it. As news dictates, we'll be joining you on the podcast, but of course stay glued to um, the text service, nj.com slash text. Twitter, he's at Daryl Slater. I'm at Matt Lombardo NFL. Uh, we'll be back throughout the offseason and, and throughout this coaching search when news di- uh, dictates for there to be a podcast. But as you're listening to this, hope everyone has a happy new year. We appreciate everybody listening, following, and reading along through the course of the season. And I look forward to whatever this coaching search brings, Daryl. I don't know about you. Yeah, thanks for, for listening and reading, everybody. Hope everyone has a great 2020. And it's been a really fascinating year uh, here with the Giants. Uh, in, in 2019, and uh, a lot of changes coming with this organization. Maybe not as many as people had hoped with the GM, but I think you're going to see some fascinating stuff, again, for better or worse, with this new head coaching hire, particularly if it's a guy like Matt Rule. That's a hire that could go boom or bust. So from an objective perspective, it'll be interesting to watch, and maybe from the fans' perspective, a little bit stressful but potentially rewarding. No doubt about it. And the offseason always, is always a roller coaster ride. We look forward to taking it with you. He's Daryl Slater. I'm Matt Lombardo. Appreciate you as always. And we'll talk to you next week and later on on the Talk is Cheap podcast right here on NJ.com.